0: Well, good morning church. Good to see everybody. Um, One of the jobs that I take uh, very seriously here is the uh, job of helping to disciple the staff that leads here. And so every Monday uh, we get together for staff meeting from both campuses and we uh, encourage one another and we talk business and we talk about programming and we talk about vision. But we also spend some time uh, praying and the other a few weeks ago, I was, uh, during the Fearless series, I was asking the question of the staff, what is it that really, right now in your life, that God's saying to you about being fearless? What is God saying to you right now in terms of courage or being fearless for the kingdom? And, and so I set everybody off in this room, actually, and, and we just prayed and just spent some time just seeking the Lord. And, and we came back together, I said, what is God telling you about what that means is everybody shared different things. And, and really, I really felt like God was impressing on my heart that, um, that the thing that God is doing is a new thing, and in particular in our young adults with young people. And it, it brought to mind as I was praying about that, and thinking about that, that every revival that's ever happened has happened, it just seems to me, within young people. That it's not old guys like me that are at the forefront of that. It's young people that are at the forefront of that. And of course, uh, our our abide worship that's happening here every other week on Monday night is just demonstrating that. There's no fanfare. There's no speaker. It's just people worshiping together for two hours or more and just coming together and worshiping. And and you're looking at that and you think God's doing something new. And then, of course, we're seeing what's happening down at Asbury right now as people are coming together and worshiping. And just the speaker that uh, you know, was used by God to kind of initiate that. There was no fanfare with that. It was a very basic message, but somehow, in the middle of that, God is doing something in the hearts of young people. I really believe that um, this generation is really open to the move of God and really open to what God is doing, and that they're realizing that some of the things that are happening in this world are, are are just they need an answer for. And we obviously we believe we know the answer to that. We we believe it's Jesus. And so in light of that, I just want to pray as we get started today, and uh, then we'll open our word, and we'll learn. God, uh, we are mindful today of the fact that you are on the move, and that you are in the move, on the move in the hearts of young people, and you're on the move in the hearts of older people, and, and people are needing that, exactly what that song said, that darkness is on the run when God's saints arise and praise and quiet. There's not a lot of fanfare. It's just the move of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of people. And so, God, today, we pray that you would continue that revival in our land, that, and we pray that there would be an awakening to spiritual realities, and that we want us to return to, to your heart and to your will. We pray that together in Jesus' name. Amen. I gave you a phrase a few years ago that came out of a book by Andy Stanley called The Principle of the Path. And I want to give that phrase again because I think it applies to the series that we're in. He said, Direction, not intention, determines our destination. Direction, not intention, determines our destination. You've heard it said before that the path to hell is paved by good intentions. Intentions don't get us anywhere, it's the direction that you set that's the place that you're going to go. The direction you choose is what's going to lead you to the right places in life. Now, nobody disagrees with that when it comes to uh, getting in your car today. If you decide, I'm done with this cold weather, and I'm going to leave Ohio behind, and I'm going to go to sunny Florida, and you get your sunscreen, your shorts, and a beach towel, and you set out all excited to get some sun, sand, and seafood. But when you leave here and you get on 75, instead of going 75 south, you go 75 north, you are not going to end up in Florida. No matter how much you might think you want to be there, No matter how much you might pray, oh God, I pray for traveling mercies on the way to Florida. God, would you bless my trip on the way to Florida? It does not matter how much you pray for it, how much you desire it, how much you wish for it. If you turned your car and went to 75 North, you're going to end up in cold Michigan. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Michigan's fine, but it's not Florida, all right? Whatever you determine And your direction is going to determine your destination. That makes sense when it comes to driving, but there's a huge disconnect when it comes to life, relationally. A young woman wants to marry a good man, good father potential, loves Jesus. But her method is, if he's cute and he asks me out, then I'm going to say yes, and years later, she wonders why she had so many broken relationships, because her, her direction determined her destination. Financially, I want to be financially secure, but there's so much I want to buy right now. And so you buy things that you can't afford, and instead of being on a direction toward financial freedom, you're on a path to financial destruction. Educationally, I want to earn good grades, get a good GPA, But then late nights and social aspects of college set you on a different path. That's why older people, oftentimes at the end of their life, look back and say, I ended up somewhere that I did not plan. And therefore, I'm going to talk to other young people about what this means to have a good direction in your your life. Because we know as you you come to the middle part of your life, you look back and say, how did I end up here? You ended up there because you made decisions that led to that destination. It's true of every aspect of your life, and it certainly is true when it comes to your spiritual path in life. That's why we're in this series called Whole30. We're talking about setting a path, setting a direction towards spiritual wholeness. And we're using these 30 days as a way to convince you and help you and set habits for you that will lead you to a good direction and destination in your life. And what I'm going to do today is just give you three basic ideas. You're going to think these are not profound. The problem is, it's not that they're not profound. It's just that most people don't usually do these things. But if you do them, it's going to make a big difference. And here's the first one. It's foundational. You want to go anywhere in life? Set a goal. It's the value of vision. I I find that people have more success when they look into the future and they say, that's where I want to be in life, and therefore, that's where I'm going to go. They have a dream. And that dream can become reality. I want to tell you about one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me in this life. Not many possessions matter to me. I've got a coffee grinder that my mamaw and papa had on a, on, a, on a little cabinet in their house. That matters to me. The piano that I grew up with, that we played as kids, that matters to me. There's just not much in this life that matters to me. But when my father passed away, He loved old cars, a lot of you know that, and he had three cars still, a 1927 Model T Ford that my brother Mark had helped him with a ground-up restoration, so when dad died, Mark got that car, and Jonathan had a 1980-something Firebird that he had purchased and then sold it back to dad, and so when dad died, he got that car. The car that I got was a 1952 Ford uh, convertible, it looks just exactly like that and that's the car. When he got it, it came from his twin brother. My dad had a little 19 red Mercedes convertible that was all finished. He had bought it at an auction, a charity auction. His brother, his twin brother, saw that and said, hey, Don, I'd like to have that car. Let's trade that 52 Ford convertible for that Mercedes. Dad said, sounds good. They had some cash involved too. When Ron got that beautiful Mercedes, dad ends up getting this car. Now, this car came basically in boxes. I mean, the body was kind of put together, the motor was in there, but it hadn't run for decades. And this is what dad ended up getting. And so when dad passed away, mom was like, okay, you can, you can try that car. Now, she knows that I know very little about cars. I can change a belt, a hose, a battery, but I'm not a mechanical guy. But when that happened, I would visit that garage, and and I would look at that car, and and I got a hat. When my dad passed away, my mom gave out hats to everybody, and the hat that I chose was a baseball hat with a Ford emblem on it, flat bill, big hat. I don't look good in hats. I have a little peanut head. They look way bigger than my head, but I put this, and I have a dream. One day, I'm going to ride in that car, and I'm going to put that Ford hat on, and we're going to start the J. Donald Sam's Memorial Car Show at the Middletown campus where he went to church. And that car is going to be in that car show. And I had that dream. And I would go into the the garage, and I would just look at it. And we would look at each other, and we would have conversations. But that didn't get me anywhere because I don't know how to do car work. And it was like eight years later, somebody started to attend Axis Church. His name is Steve His wife's name's Alice, and they started a tent here just this summer. They lead a children's home in Kentucky, and uh, they've done it for many, many years. And as we're talking to each other, he says, Steve, I've got a couple guys on my staff that are maintenance guys, and they've helped me do cars over the years. And it dawned on me, like, hey, if they helped him, maybe they'll help me. And sure enough, he said, let's load that thing up. We're going to take it down to our warehouse down there, and they're just going to piddle on it. Steve, I'm sorry it's taken so long, he told me. I'm like, it's been eight years. You're making all kinds of progress. And so this last week, I stopped by and saw the car. This is what it looks like now. Those are the guys right there, Chad and Greg, and there's Steve Urie, and they're working on that car. As I walked in, it was running It was as if they planned it. I said, did you guys plan that? They said, no, this is the first time we've turned it over. It's like going, it's like, this is a miracle. And Steve told him. he told his guys, he said, I want you to do this. Get your heart right, guys. We're going to help him out. We're going to help him out because one day... He's going to wear a Ford hat on his peanut head and he's going to start a car show called the J. Donald Sands Memorial Car Show. One of the coolest things that's ever happened. I don't know how long it's going to take him to get there, but one day that dream is going to become a reality. I'm telling you this to say this, not only am I blessed because of these guys and because of what they're doing and helping me out, I'm telling you this because it makes a good illustration for life. A lot of you guys spiritually, you're like an old jalopy in a garage that nobody's working on. The reality is in your spiritual life, you've just kind of dead-ended. You haven't done anything about it. You haven't set a dream. You don't have a passion for it. You just let that thing sit there and rot away. And I'm just calling you guys today to do this. Would you set a dream for your spiritual life? Would you set a dream for your life that says, God, this is what I want to be. I want to be whole before you. The Apostle Paul said it this way in the book of Philippians. He said, I want to know christ and the power of his resurrection that was his goal his driving force in his life was i want to know christ and the power of his resurrection joshua who we just talked about in the fearless series said it this way in joshua 24 as you follow who you want to follow but as for me and my house we're going to serve the lord in other words he set a goal for his family that no matter what happened, this was going to be their goal. This is going to be what they were about. They weren't going to be about all the other ventures in life. They were going to be about making sure that their household served the Lord. Set a dream for your life. If you don't, somebody else will set a dream for your life. And when things get hard, what's going to happen? You're going to give up because you don't have a guiding light. You don't have a guiding dream. We call this advanced decision making. It's not In the crisis that you need to make those decisions, it's before you get to the crisis. You need to know who you are. You need to know what your values are. You need to know what's important to you. And when you do that, it will guide you to to be whole before the Lord. Set a goal. Have a dream. But don't just have a dream. Number two, get a routine. Get a routine. That rhymes so that you remember it, so you actually do it. Have a dream, get a routine, and here's what it is. Henry Cloud one time said, put structure in your life in areas where you are not mature enough to take the initiative. Have structure where you're not mature enough to take the initiative. And he he shared that he needed structure in his life physically. He was not in shape, felt like he was overweight. And after weeks of diet and exercise and working with a trainer, it dawned on him that he hadn't taken before pictures for the before and afters. And so he told his trainer, he was like, oh no, we forgot to take before shots so that we can see how much weight I've lost. And without missing a beat, the trainer looked at him and said, oh, we still can. We still can. You're still a before, you ain't an after yet. Now, how many of you know that all of us are in process we all have a long way to go. No matter where you are today, you still got a long way to go. And everybody who is serious about doing well in life, you have routines in your life. You want to stay in shape? You need a routine. How many of you appreciate what happens with the vocalist and the band up here every weekend? You guys appreciate them? You know, that doesn't just happen. Amen. That does not just happen. They don't just one day wake up and say, hey, let's just stand up here and lead worship. There's practice. There's preparation. There's getting their voice ready. There is practicing their instrument so that they can be ready, so that they can play the right notes. Same thing for athletes <coughs> athletes practice, accomplished golfers practice. This week, Michael Jordan turned 60 years old. I know there's a big debate who's the best basketball player ever? And of course, those debates have resurfaced this week since Michael Jordan just turned 60. Is it LeBron James? Is it Kobe? Is it is it Michael? I, I, I think it's Michael because I grew up in the 80s and 90s. Amen. So that's who I think it is. But you remember, he was so good, practiced like nobody else. Do you remember when he took, though, about a year and a half off and he started playing baseball? And when he came back to basketball, everybody was like, oh, we can't wait. This is going to be so good. Michael Jordan is back. He's the best of the best. And you know what happened that first night when he came back to the United Center and the crowd was there behind him and everybody anticipated? His airness is back. And his airness was a little bit flat that night. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why? That game was disappointing because Michael Jordan had gotten out of practice. Even the best of the best need to have a routine in practice. So I'm just going to give you three things that I think you need to be involved in in terms of getting your spiritual life whole, in terms of setting yourself in the right direction. Here's the first one. I think it involves intake. Intake. I've learned over the years that if I'm going to grow, I have to have a steady intake of fresh spiritual truth from, for my heart to stay healthy and strong. The Bible says in Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Psalm chapter one says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. In other words, he's putting into his life or her life the word of God. And each of you have to determine that I need to be able to put some good stuff into my life. That's why as part of Whole30, we've asked you to commit 30 minutes a day during Whole30 to scripture reading and prayer so that you're putting good stuff into your heart, good stuff into your life. So set the habit and and you'll see a good destination at the end. Can I also encourage you to do that corporately. Do it in church. Uh, Take in that regular intake of spiritual truth. While We're studying the Word of God. Josh and I are and and Connor and others. We want to teach and we want to help to explain and we're learning in the process as well. Church is so important. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. To me, that has always been a (coughs) non-negotiable, is that we were going to be in church. For my family, uh, my mom and dad, even when we were out of town, we would find a church to go to. Why? Because my mom and dad were trying to instill in us the value of being with God's people. If the church is the bride of Christ, their thought was, how can we love the bridegroom and not love the bride? How can we be committed to Jesus, but not be committed to the church? Can I just say and I say this because I love you. There there are just sometimes that that there are folks who choose far more often to be involved in other things on Sunday morning than to be involved in church and can I tell you that what we teach our kids in those moments I believe is that the bride of Christ is a negotiable. The bride of Christ is the one that can sacrifice. The bride of Christ, the church, is the one that can take a back seat. Can I just encourage you Can I just challenge you to say, we want to make church a priority. It's so critical to assemble together because in this moment, God does something in your heart that he would not do in other other ways. He loves his church and he loves to pour into you. So it's really important that you have the right stuff in your heart, that you put good stuff into your life. And the second thing is reflection or meditation. Every good athlete takes time to reflect on what they've done. They take time to evaluate their progress. They take time to talk to their trainer. Psalm chapter 119, verse 59. It says, I have considered my ways and have turned my steps toward your statutes. That's one of the reasons I love communion every week, so that we can sit back and just take time with our coach to reflect on life. And to say, God, help us understand where are we in life? Let's examine our life Let's examine where we are, and let's take time to reflect. Of course, one of the ways we do that is pray. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourself to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Spend time reflecting with the Lord. Talk to Him every day. Say, God, this is where I am today. I need your help. I need to make progress today. I want to go to the next level in my life. Reflect. So think about what you're putting into your life, and also think about who you're talking to in your life. Spend time with your coach. Spend time with the Lord Jesus. Spend time telling him where you are that day. And the next thing, I think, is the word abstinence. Training is as much about what you don't do as what you do. Listen to Hebrews 12. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. First Peter chapter 2, verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in this world, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Sin is our selfish behavior. It's a me first kind of behavior. And one of the ways to break those habits is I think to abstain from some things, not just from simple things that entangle us, but I think one of the best spiritual habits is the habit called fasting. I don't know if you've ever done it before, but the biblical idea or practice of fasting was so much a heart of the early leaders in the church and also the Old Testament fathers. Most of us, would we'll be surprised to learn that there are 74 separate references to fasting in the Bible. In fact, it's most often associated with taking a break from food for a period of time so that you can focus on spiritual things in your life. We tend to shy away from that discipline. Why? Because we're foodies. We like food. We like the social aspect of food. Richard Foster one time said, in a culture where the landscape is dotted with shrines to the golden arches and an assortment of pizza temples, fasting seems so out of step with the times. Here in America, with our abundance of food, it's hard to say no to it. But (coughs) did you know in the Bible, fasting is mentioned more than repentance or confession? The list of those who have fasted in the Bible is long, Moses the lawgiver, David the king who fasted and prayed for his son who was ill, Elijah the prophet, Nehemiah the cupbearer before he built the walls of Jerusalem, Esther the queen, Anna the seer, Paul the apostle, fasted and prayed before he went on his missionary journey, and Jesus Christ our Savior when he started his ministry. Each of them practiced fasting before, maybe before, as, as they went through an illness Or they were in distress, or there was a time of war, or there was a time of sickness, or there was mourning after death, or there was a commemoration of some kind, or prior to some big decision, or or maybe before an ordination of somebody who was going to be leading. One seasoned veteran said it this way, start with one day fast, where you allow yourself fruit juice, skip breakfast and lunch, and after the sun sets, then eat well. After you've done this a number of times, gradually move to two or three-day fast, wait on God. He will indicate to your spirit how long you need to fast. It's generally wise not to go on 10-day or longer fast without a medical checkup from a sympathetic Christian general practitioner. If you're going to fast, especially for a long time, check with your doctor. Um, They might tell you things like if you have an eating disorder or you're diabetic or you have some other health problem, don't do it or don't do it for long. And if that's the case, then take a break from something else. Fast from social media, fast from the internet, fast from television. But whatever it is, say to yourself, I'm going to fast so that I can focus that time and attention on the Lord. And when you do, God's going to teach you something about yourself. I've, I've fasted twice for an extended fast. One time for two weeks, one time for 30 days. I had juice during the fast but I really was trying to lead our church into this idea that we should discipline ourselves before the Lord and that we should spend time, every time we have that hunger pain, we should spend time praying. And for me, every time that I went on an extended fast, God revealed something to me. It's just between me and God. It's, it's not, it wouldn't be like revolutionary for you, but for me, it was important at the time. And God spoke into my heart in some way, through my spirit in some way, And led me to a different decision or revealed something about me that needed to be revealed. Bill Bright one time said, fasting transforms us to transform the world. Don DeWelt one time said, fasting can be God's catalyst to thrust us into a whole new world. Richard Foster one time said, fasting reveals the things that control us. And I like the illustration that Billy Graham gave one time. He said, when you're on a little boat and you're going to the shore... And you know, just before you pull that boat in, you turn it off and you throw the tow rope off to the shore to somebody. And when they pull you, they pull you in. He he made this point. He said, You are not pulling the shore to yourself, you're pulling yourself to the shore. And I think that when you have the right kind of spiritual intake, when you spend time reflecting with the coach, with your Savior, Christ, And when you abstain from certain things, what happens is you draw near to God, as James said, and then he will draw near to you. Matthew, Jesus said it this way in Matthew, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Establish a dream, develop a routine, and then number three, stick with it. The value of accountability. These three things are true if you want to be strong spiritually. You need a goal, you need a dream, you need a routine, and you need to stick with it. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12, Paul writes, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on that I may hold to that which for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Realize, friends, you've got a long way to go. How many of you know you've got a long way to go physically? If you raise your hand, amen. Anybody got a long way to go physically? And how about spiritually? How are you doing today? Anybody got a long way to go spiritually? Raise your hand if you do. I do too. I do too. But you're not going to get there by what you've done in the past. You're gonna, if you do the same stuff you've always done, you're going to get the same results. If you've got that old jalopy in the, in the garage, it's not going anywhere, friends. You've got to make sure that you say, I have the right intake. I need the right fuel in my life. I need to make sure that I'm reflecting on my life, thinking about the things, praying to the Lord, and I need to abstain from certain things because I need the strength to make it day after day today. You might be facing some kind of a challenge in your marriage, and you've hit a hard place. Or maybe you're single, and you're finding it difficult to stick with your values. Maybe as you're walking through life, something has kicked you down and discouraged you. It's difficult you need strength then. Or maybe you're having trouble forgiving somebody and you got a lot of bitterness in your life. Or maybe you're a worrier and you're finding yourself filled with anxiety today. Listen, it's not in the crisis that you're going to find the solution. It's before you ever get there, you have predetermined, I'm going to develop myself with the Lord and through his strength. I'm going to be ready for the crisis that hit me in this life. Now, are you going to be perfect? How many of you know you're not going to be perfect? In fact, it, once you just look at somebody, just, just let's participate here. Let's bring each other some accountability today. Would you look at the person next to you and would you just say to them, you've got a long way to go? Would you just tell them that right now? You've got a long way to go. And so do I. So do I. Some of you are still talking. You're like, you've like, you got a long way to go. You got a long way. We all do. And when you get in your car today, you're going to put in a destination. And when you put that destination in, you're going to make a wrong turn. And when you do, the voice on the GPS is going to say recalculating. Listen, that's okay. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. Sometimes in your life, you're going to make a decision. You're going to go a destination. You're going to set your face toward God's will. You know you want to be spiritually whole, and you're going to make a misstep. You're gonna make a wrong turn. God is not giving up on you. Recalculating. Keep going. Get back on the right path. Do it again. Recalculating. And ultimately, at the end of your life, when you keep your eye focused on that destination, I wanna know Christ. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When you keep your eye focused on the destination, Even when you make mistakes, God's going to recalculate you. The Holy Spirit's going to help you. And remember 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, at the beginning of this series, we read, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. He's going to put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of the master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, He will do it. Set your eyes on a goal. Set your face on a destination. Head that direction. And if you've got to recalculate, recalculate and get back in there. And let's all live a life of wholeness before the Lord. God, we pray today. And we thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We need it, God, because there's so many times that we take exit ramps. But through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the wisdom of your word, Through conversational prayer, we realize we've got to get back on the right course again.